So next, Caroline is going to come. She's going to share with us a sermon today with, from our series, This Changes Everything. Please welcome Caroline. Morning. Good to see you all. Happy Pentecost Sunday. Did you guys know that? I see maybe some red accidentally or intentionally you're wearing it. I tried very hard to wear red today, and now I think maybe I should have worn something short sleeve. <laughs> Too late. So today we celebrate Pentecost, uh, which comes at the end of Eastertide. Um, there's a church calendar. You could see uh, the Advent before Christmas and then Lent before Easter, Seven weeks of Easter tide we've just celebrated today mark the Pentecost marks the end of that. It's the day we celebrate the coming of the Holy Spirit, which Jesus promised to his friends. Pentecost tends to be, I feel like, an under celebrated, underappreciated holiday. Um, Christmas is big, Easter is big, but Pentecost not so much except for in certain traditions. But when we follow the story of Jesus, we see that the Pentecost event is the culmination of his story. There's a little timeline that I drew um, a few weeks ago. Jesus' birth, death, and resurrection. And then there's ascension and the gift of the Holy Spirit. Sometimes it feels like the story of Jesus ends with his resurrection, the big, you know, um, coming back to life. But the story has more like a two-part ending. The first, the resurrection, and then the Pentecost, kicking off a new world that we now live in. Understanding the Pentecost as the culmination of Jesus' story um, on earth helps us understand the movement of God now, where the Spirit is leading us toward. So let's look at the story of the Pentecost morning, and uh, and now let me set it up for you before I read it. So after the resurrection of Jesus, um, he didn't just disappear. He hung around on the earth for 40 days, And during this time, he appeared to his friends. There are some fun stories of Jesus' appearances during this time. And since Easter, uh, we have been looking at those stories. And after that 40 days, um, Jesus was taken up to heaven as his friends watched, which is what Ascension Sunday is about. Last week, Peter gave a great talk on the story of ascension and what that might say about our calling. I highly recommend it if you missed it. Right before Jesus was taken up to heaven, he told his friends to stay in Jerusalem and wait for the gift that God's promised. He told them that in a few days you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. So they went back to his friends. Jesus' friends went back to Jerusalem and waited. And it happened to be around the time of Pentecost. 
Because now the Pentecost was a Jewish holiday that had been celebrated since the time of Moses. In Jewish tradition, it had double significance. First, it commemorated God giving um, the Israelites the law on the Mount Sinai. Also, it was the day that they marked the first fruits of the year um, of their wheat harvest, which was their most important crop. So people traveled to Jerusalem with their first fruits to make offering and to worship at the temple. So um, as Jesus' friends were gathered in Jerusalem on this particular Pentecost, on Pentecost morning, uh, the city was full of people visiting to celebrate this holiday from other parts of Israel and from abroad. So that's the backdrop of today's story. So let me read it for us from Acts 2. On the day of Pentecost, all the believers were meeting together in one place. Suddenly, there was a sound from heaven like the roaring of a mighty windstorm, and it filled the house where they were sitting. Then what looked like flames or tongues of fire appeared and settled on each of them. And everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit and began speaking in other languages, as the Holy Spirit gave them this ability. At that time, there were devout Jews from every nation living in Jerusalem, staying in Jerusalem. When they heard the loud noise, everyone came running, and they were bewildered to hear their own languages being spoken by the believers. They were completely amazed. How can this be, they exclaimed. These people are from Galilee, and yet we hear them speaking in our own native languages. Here we are, Parthians, Medes, Elamites, people from Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus, the province of Asia, Phrygia, Pamphylia, Egypt, and the areas of Libya and Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts to Judaism, Cretans and Arabs. And we all hear these people speaking in our own languages about the wonderful things God has done. They stood there amazed and perplexed. What can this mean? They asked each other. But others in the crowd ridiculed them, saying, they're just drunk, that's all. Then Peter stepped forward with the 11 other apostles and shouted to the crowd, Listen carefully, all of you, fellow Jews and residents of Jerusalem. Make no mistake about this. These people are not drunk, as some of you are assuming. Nine o'clock in the morning is much too early for that. It's a good argument. No, what you see was predicted long ago by the prophet Joel. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit upon all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. In those days, I will pour out my spirit even on my servants, men and women alike, and they will prophesy. Exciting story. So as Jesus promised, the Holy Spirit comes to his friends. They're filled with her. And on this day that marks the uh, first fruits of wheat harvest, the group of Jesus' friends become the first fruits of Jesus' ministry. 
with the gift of the Holy Spirit, God has come all the way to their hearts, fully with them, as close as she can get. They already carry the image of God in them, for we all are created in it. So that spark of divinity that was already in them, in each of them, is rekindled as they connect with the source, the Holy Spirit. They carry God in them. And this is what Jesus has come for, to reconnect humanity to God, to make this communion with God possible. Jesus, though God, was born into this world as a human baby to be with us, as the book of Matthew says, look, the virgin will conceive a child. She will give birth to a son and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. For God to be born as one of us into this world, that's stepping very close to us, right? That's very, very close. But then God had a plan to come even closer to us, to send us the Holy Spirit. She whooshes down into our world and into each person to be with us always and everywhere at the center of our beings, to be with all of us and the whole universe. Now God is truly with us. We carry God in us. I mean, this changes everything. This is what Jesus has come to do all along. And believing in his resurrection means living in this reality. The reality of God dwelling in us, communing with us. But this also means that we are part of something bigger than us. We carry God's spirit in us, and through her, we are all connected. One spirit. We're part of the whole. God in me and who I am flow most powerfully when I am connected to the whole. And what, that's what we see happening on the day um, of the Pentecost in the story. As Jesus' friends receive the Holy Spirit with much special effect, the first manifestation of the Spirit is that they are given the ability to speak the language that they don't know. I mean, that's pretty cool, right? It's a neat gift in and of itself, wouldn't it be cool if just like that, one moment you can speak another language? But why would we want such a gift? The gift like that would be cool because then we can talk to the people who speak the language, right? Communicate with them. It's like that with the Jesus' friends too. As the Holy Spirit fills them, 
Jesus' friends receive the power promised to them. And the power is the power to see and connect with another human being for who they are. Even when they come from a different background, talk and dress differently, and have different narratives about how they've got there. These Jews who were traveling from all these different parts of the world had very different stories from the Jews who lived in Israel. They were the people and the children of the people who immigrated out of Israel for various reasons, some because of forced exiles, some because of famine or other hardships. Um, So for them, Jerusalem is their home in a deep sense, but also not their home. And I'm sure there were tensions, stereotypes, and walls between these groups. It's like when my children visit Korea, where both my husband and I are from. It is their motherland, but they're also strangers in it. And people could look at them funny and judge them when they don't speak Korean fluently because they look very Korean, but they're foreign as well. It was probably like that for the Jews visiting Jerusalem. And God includes them in this amazing event from the first day, the first moment. Jesus' friends speak about God's goodness to them in their own native languages, letting them know that they too are offered this gift. And even with the cultural and language divide, they all belong together through one spirit and that they're not separate and alone, but part of the whole. And as we will see in the rest of the book of Acts, this wave of inclusion, the Holy Spirit moving across the walls and breaking them, them down, continue on not just among the Jews, but to Gentiles, the non-Jews, different races, men and women, and non-binary persons, different classes, young and old. The, The Holy Spirit moves beyond all of this through the people who carry her in them to the end of the earth as Jesus commissioned them. We carry the divine in us. And it shows us how amazing and special we all are, each one of us, how close we are to God. And it also lets us know that we belong to each other, that we are held together through one spirit and we're part of the whole. This reality is a gift the gift that changes everything. The more we lean into this reality, the more can we flow in the Holy Spirit. We will grow in the gift of seeing and connecting with the other person. Our capacity to love in every relationship will expand. 
It will empower us to connect with those who are far from us, who are different from us, whom we may not have to connect with, and the very people in our lives. Several years ago, my daughter helped me see how my world and her world are not as similar as I might have assumed. I mean, she literally came out of me, and we raised her, so I had my reasons for my assumption. But she grew up in America as a minority person, and I grew up in Korea, where pretty much everyone is Korean. So she, uh, at one point, had to sit me down and tell me how this has shaped her perspective and experiences so differently from mine. She was frustrated that I sometimes downplayed things that are important to her because of her different experiences. Like, for example, representation is a big thing for my children. Being able to see people who look like them on the screen, to hear about them um, in the news. Whereas I didn't really get it until she educated me, because when I grew up in Korea, everyone on the screen looked like me. And I'm grateful that I was able to hear her perspective, not at first, but eventually. <laughs> and understand her language. I mean, her native language and my native language, actually, they are literally different. We're in the same family, we share DNA, but there is a big gap, cultural and generational gap between us. And I believed, believed that being filled with the Holy Spirit and practicing in her presence in my life has made it possible for me to cross that gap, cultural and generational differences I have with the closest people in my life, I'm trying to, and with the people who look and talk differently than me. So let's lean into this reality. We carry God in us, and in that we are held together. We're part of the whole. Each of our unique being, gifts, callings, and our dreams, who we are, will come alive and be fulfilled in the context of our togetherness, our connections to others and the world. And that's the gift that changes everything. What is amazing for us who are here is that this community, we're in this community, we're surrounded by people who come from different backgrounds and cultures. Our church looks like the Pentecost morning. For someone who grew up in a homogeneous society, this diversity is amazing. This is amazingly beautiful to me. I always feel God's presence in just being here because we see that we're connected. And in this, very, in this very community, we can practice our gifts of love and connection and seeing and hearing from the other person and lean into 
the new reality that will enrich every part of our lives. So today, instead of me keep talking, I've invited two people who have been leaning into this at the river to share with us. Um, Dan Cho, Dan is one of our trusted nursery leaders who have been connecting with the smallest members of our community. Brent leads the host team, uh, the team whose mission is to welcome and connect with everyone who walks through the doors. So I'm going to invite up Dan first. Uh, Yes. Thank you. I'm going to take this stand. So... First, I want to thank Caroline because she let me go before Brent. I was, I was worried about having to speak after him. Um, so it's good. Um, so like Caroline said, I don't know about the trusted part, um, but I've been working. Uh, I've been at the river for seven years, and I live in Brooklyn with my wife, Nesa, who's in the back, and um, two kids. And um, like Caroline said, I've been wor- working at the nursery for about four years. And she asked me to speak, and I can tell you that, you know, in the last four years um, is not really where I expect it to be. Um, You know, for those that know me, you would know that I never really thought of kids as being that, like babies specifically, as being, like, really cute at all. Um, I think there are people who who can kind of understand what I'm saying. Uh, I, like, I didn't grow up with any baby brothers or, kid, you know, sisters or cousins, and they they just don't look as cute as, like, like puppies or, you know, kittens. And, um, and then they're, like, screaming and, you know, pooping, and you can kind of see, like, why, like, the nursery was really, like, the last, one of the last places I'd wanted to be. Um, so, you know, Caroline's probably wondering why she asked me to speak and who else she could have asked, but I'm here, so keep going. Um... So I guess it all started, you know, a little after my daughter was born, and I became more comfortable with kids, and I was like, oh, they're pretty cute after all. And I figured I should kind of help out with the other volunteers, take a turn. And uh, But it wasn't until after I think I started volunteering more regularly that I started to see why playing with kids was so great. I mean, first of all, they're just so curious and, like, easily impressed, which I think most people know. Like, there's this egg toy in the nursery where, like, the shell comes off, and just like universally loved and they play with the thing every week and it's just like I don't I don't get it um and you also see the kids really grow you know over time you know it's like um and so even when I get to see kids who are no longer in the nursery and they're like in preschool or the kindergarten kids and you just really love to see them because it's like well they were you know I was holding them when they were like this little itty bitty you know baby and I kind of think it's sort of like when you guys, you know, everyone, like, lives in New York. You see this construction that starts, and it's like, first you just have, like, a dirt lot. And, like, they start doing the pile drivers, and it starts to get bigger and bigger. You start seeing the floors. And, you know, you see it every day because it's, like, on your way to work. Um, and once you start seeing, like, the walls and, like, the windows go up, you, you really start to feel, like, happy for the project. And you're like, wow, those construction workers, you know, good job. Uh, and you have nothing to do with it, of course, but just by witnessing it every day for two years, you kind of see it, you you know, it gets you excited. You're just walking by the thing. You're not going to use it. You're 
it's just there. And you feel invested in the outcome. Like, the last thing you'd want to do is, like, if you had to leave New York, uh, and you're like, well, maybe we can wait until this building's complete. Like, they're just about to, like, put that capstone on or whatever. Uh, so, you know, anyways, it's a cliche, but the other thing is, like, with kids, you really understand a lot about people. And I think it's because they're very transparent with their emotions, and there's no... There's no ever confusing, like, cause and effect, you know. So if they're hungry, there's going to be consequences. So, like, pro tip for anyone is, like, have, like, some cheddar bunnies ready and, like, kind of just hand it over to them really quickly. Um, but obviously, we're not so different. Um, like, we are better at masking our feelings uh, and rationalizing why we're angry at something. It's, oh, it's not because of X. It's because they're being so Y. Uh, but... I think what we'll often find, and I, I definitely see this a lot, is like our frustration with each other and just like life is often a com- like comes often when we're hungry or just tired or overstimulated. Like there are times when like we have a screaming baby at home, just screaming like nonstop, and then who like who do you snap at? Like your wife or your spouse, you know, just because like it's just so overstimulating sometimes, um, and you just get you lash out, but not at the baby because it's the baby, so you just lash out someone else and. I think it's good to be aware of these types of things. Um, but anyways, the best part I, I, I would say about River Kids is, like, you know, after the stranger danger passes, then they start to feel comfortable with you. Like, they'll, like, come, and they, they become so sweet. They'll, like, bring you a book or, like, sit on your lap when you're sitting uh, crisscross applesauce, and they'll just kind of, like, enjoy your company. And Or, like, some of them are a little, like, less comfortable, and they'll just want you to hold them for the whole time. And that's, like, kind of sweet, too, even though... I don't know, it's also kind of sad. You know, you want them to, like, get you comfortable, but it's also nice just kind of holding them, being, like, what makes them comfortable. Um, and it really doesn't matter, you know, with kids, like, how successful you are or how interesting you are or talented. Like, you know, a lot of us, you know, we're talking, I'm talking with a stranger. It's like, oh, did you know I, you know, I got to, I don't know, graduated from this school? It's like, they don't care about that kind of stuff. You know, as long as you, like, take care of them and you're welcoming, like, that's really all they want. And, you know, which is great. Um, So, going on. But River Kids is a great place to meet other parents who are staying or other volunteers. Um, You know, most of the time on the Sundays, we don't have a lot of time to talk with each other. We have a few minutes. um, But everyone's, like, rushing to get out to do their next thing. But with River Kids, you really have, like, the whole service to get to know each other and work with each other to do this thing, that, which is, like, make sure the kids don't put stuff in their mouth or, or you know, they feel good. Um, and even with the parents who aren't staying, you know, with us, um, like, and they, they come upstairs, you feel like, well, you know, I watch their kids. You feel like you're part of their lives a little bit. Um, it's like, oh, I know what your kid is like, and somehow that, I don't know, I feel like I'm part of your life now. Um, so, you know, looking back, I wish I had um, considered helping with River Kids even before I had kids. Um, because especially when you don't grow up in New York City, you know, like me, it's easy to spend time with people in your age group um, and only that age group. And so you don't realize, like, what you really could be missing by kind of diversifying. Like, you know, we talk about diversity, but it's obviously not just, like, a racial diversity. There's, like, age diversity. There's, like, ways to cross that. And I think just by being in your, like, 20s friend group, like, it's not, I don't know, not natural. <laughs> not everyone's 20 years old. Um, so anyways, and this is why, like, I think brunch church is so good, because you kind of kind of get to see the whole church. We're not just this group here. We're, like, multiple groups. And 
I think even if you don't, uh, even if you have your own kids, it's good to spend time with other kids, other people's kids, because you're like, oh, my, you know, it's like you can see like, oh, this thing that's so great about my kids, it's actually great about all kids. Um, or like, alternatively, it's like, oh, this thing about my kid is actually very unique about my kid, and and you kind of. Unless you're spending time with other kids, you're just like, oh, I'm a single, you know, if you're just a parent of one, you don't necessarily have that perspective unless you kind of see other babies or if you spent time with babies in the past. Um, so with River, because I think I see God, you know, just, you know, in how unexpected, like, this all kind of came to me. Um, it's not something I planned for or something I don't think I'm particularly good at, but, you know, I kind of help where I can and. I don't, you know, to Peter Evis's point, I don't know if this is like my calling. It's like once a month, you know, one, you know, hour and a half. Um, but I'm able to help other parents. I'm able to help the kids and enjoy the time I spend there. So I think that that's that's a win. Um, so I definitely encourage, you know, kind of being very uh, forceful or what's the phrase? Anyways, like with the River Kids Summer thing, I definitely encourage everyone, you know, if it's like if you're a parent. If you're like a hipster or a bro or like broster, like just try, you know, signing up for River Kids as a volunteer. Um, you know, it will be like a new experience, and that's a good thing. Um, and it's really not that bad. Like I think Sarah said, it's it's pretty easy. You're just watching them, um, and you're way bigger than they are. And it's sometimes <laughs> that's easy to forget. But you can just like literally like lift them and like move them, and it, it's totally fine. And like. Um, and so, it's, there, yeah, there's nothing to be afraid of. I think kids can be uh, a little scary for for someone who doesn't have kids, but they're really not that scary. You just kind of move them where you need to go. So, all right, that's it. Thanks. Thanks, Dan. That was great. When uh, Caroline asked me to share up serving on the host team, I said, oh, good, that's an easy one. Uh, I can do that without getting emotional. (laughs) Uh, Right. (laughs) Because I started thinking about why I do it and why it's important. And and then, you know, that happens to me. That thing happens to me, right? So one reason it's important to me is because when I first came to the river... um, I immediately felt welcomed here. And that sense of being comfortable that I could possibly belong here was an important start to the healing that I've experienced in the last few years while I've been here. Um, I've shared my story here before, but briefly, um, I'm gay. I came out late in life. My faith has always been important, but I came from a tradition that was conservative and evangelical, uh, where being gay and Christian is a deep conflict. So I've been working on reconciling those two parts of myself for years, but I hadn't been able to find a church that felt both safe and true to my experience of God. The warmth I found at the river started at the front door, but it went much further than that. And it helped me meet God in new ways that have been profoundly healing. Um, Another reason that hosting is important to me is because of an experience that my mother had. Uh, My father passed away about six years ago, but he had been ill for a number of years before that, and my mother was his caregiver. So for a couple of years before he died, um, she was rarely in church 
because she didn't want to leave him. And that was unusual for her because my dad was a pastor. So they'd spent, you know, 50 years living at the church. And so that was hard for her, but that was her season of life. So this one particular Sunday, um, my dad was okay. And so she decided she'd like to go to church. But she didn't want to go to their church because it was about a 20-minute drive away. Um, so she decided to go to, drive, to go to church right around the corner from them. She'd never been before, but she'd passed it hundreds of times. So she drove over and it was a little early. So she went in and a nice greeter handed her a program. And she went into the sanctuary, she told me later, timidly, the way you do when you're in a new place. Found a place to seat, sit, and the service started, um, and she enjoyed it. Um, then the service was over, and she made her way out of the sanctuary through a crowded lobby across the parking lot. And as she got into her car, <clears throat> she realized that she hadn't spoken to a single person. So... Um, Sidebar, uh, my mom was back at her old church now, where at 83, she chairs the missions committee. She teaches uh, kids Sunday school every Sunday, and she's active in their uh, seniors ministry. That's not important for my talk. I'm just proud of my mom. <laughs> but her experience does stay with me because in a vulnerable time of her life, she was not able to find a real human connection, even in a church. And my hope is that that would never happen at the river, right? My prayer is that everyone who visits, everyone attends, would know that we're glad that you're here. That um, it's important to us that you're here. That you're not invisible. That you're valued. And not in a welcome to the club kind of way but in a way that um, reflects God as best as we can reflect God, right? Uh, God's invitation to God's banquet, God's home. Where there are many rooms, Jesus says, because there's room for everybody. And God's um, big never-ending, always-present love. So I love our emphasis here at the river um, on what Jesus said was the most important thing, and that is loving God, loving others, loving ourselves. Um, I suppose it's possible to do that without being in a faith family, um, but I found it hard um, to feel connected and to feel whole um, before I found the river. Here at the river, I feel supported while I'm questioning. I feel held while I'm hurting. And I feel loved in a way that integrates who I am into the body of Christ. And that allows me to show up here as I truly am and belong to God and belong to others. So my enthusiasm when I'm at the front door... Um, sharing with my team of greeters and checking in with Sarah and Kevin about the logistics of the day and excited when you all arrive. My enthusiasm is real. I'm really glad you're here.
Thank you, Brent and Dan. Um, thank you so much for being part of our community and also uh, sharing who you are with us. If you're interested in being part of the host team or a nursery or any other um, teams at the river, um, you can write that in your connection card um, and we'll get back to you. Or you can talk to Brent or Dan after the church. The gift of the Holy Spirit that was poured out on the day of Pentecost thousands of years ago, she's still coming to us. She is still moving among us and in us, in us individually and in us as a community. So today, as we remind ourselves the reality that changes everything, that we carry God in us, and that connects us all, that we're part of the whole, I want to pray for us and ask the Holy Spirit to come fill us. Again, this may be your first time asking the Holy Spirit to come, or you've prayed this before, but either way, we all need more of God, always. So if you will, please pray with me as I wrap up. Um, you can extend your hands out in the attitude of receiving if you, if you would like. Let me pray. Jesus, thank you. Emmanuel Jesus, thank you for coming to us. For coming to be with us, in us, with us, and through us. That you love us and that you wanted to connect with us. Then Holy Spirit, we ask you to come and come fill us up. In Jesus' name. Holy Spirit, we ask you to pour out upon us, increase in us the gift of love and life. Let it flow into us. We receive your presence into us, and we want to connect to you. And we want our, us, and we want the image of God, the sparks in us, spark of divine in us to come alive. And we want to be connected to the whole creation in ways that we haven't experienced before. So come, Holy Spirit, fill us up, speak to us, guide us, walk with us, love through us, so we may share what we receive from you with the people around us, people who are far and close. Come, Holy Spirit. Come. 